Hello, peace be upon you. Welcome to the first Rational Religion live stream. Today, we're going to be talking about the secret to happiness. I'm here with my brother Tahir Nasser and uh, brother Demir Musa Rafi. Now, in order to explore what the secret to happiness is, we're going to ask ChatGPT. Hit it. The secret to happiness is a complex and subjective topic, and there is no one-size-fits-all answer. Here are some general principles that may contribute to a happy life. Okay, why don't you go through these with us? Uh, cultivate positive relationships, practice gratitude, engage in activities that bring you joy. Well, who would have thought? Um, take care of your physical and mental health. Live in alignment with your values. Mm. That's very interesting. Scroll down a bit. And uh, in a previous answer, actually, interestingly, it was said, uh, it also talked about mindfulness, which, yeah. which we've covered and, extensively and finding before. your purpose, I guess, the saying you know, activities that bring you joy. Yeah. Oh, okay, this last one. Knowing your personal values and living in accordance with them can give your life a sense of meaning and purpose. That's an interesting phrasing, isn't it? A sense of meaning and a purpose. What kind yeah. of sense is that? Is that is that an illusion? Because it's just saying, give it, give it a sense, give it, give it the appearance. But can you have an appearance of meaning and purpose? What do you think, Pajun? I think that they're good answers in a general kind of sense. If you you know wanted to, if somebody came to you on the street and said, "How do I be happy?" I mean, I think this would be a good first yeah. answer. Just to you know get out of the way. Um, I think we could probably pick plenty mm. of logical holes in them. Yeah. Um, going from the top, cultivate positive relationships. I think that's reasonable. I don't think. Okay. I don't think we can argue with that. One. No, I don't yeah. think we can argue. <laughs> but that I want, But can you can you talk a bit about this idea of finding a, a sense of meaning and purpose? Well, I mean, I, I think that you it's very difficult to develop a sense of meaning and purpose because any meaning you ultimately choose for yourself will be extinguished with your death and therefore it will ultimately <laughs> just evaporate in the ether of time. Mm -hmm. You know, with the heat death of the universe, it doesn't matter how many nations you conquered, ultimately it would all be meaningless anyway. So even if you even if you take the grandest projects human you know, a human being could ever choose for themselves. Mm. Uh, it's either a logical failing of yours to think that actually it has real meaning, mm -hmm. or you are self being self de self deceiving yourself into thinking that actually because you on this tiny little blue planet, um, you know, floating on this particular corner of the Milky Way, doing right, something in some particular locale, mm -hmm. that it actually has some meaning. Um, so really, what they mean by meaning and purpose is actually distraction from the inevitability of your I mean, mortality. That's, that's in a very atheistic kind of uh, <laughs> materialistic perspective on, on the world, right? Yeah. So you're saying in that kind of perspective on, on the world, there is no meaning will be extinguished by the, the death of the universe, but ultimately the death of you. Not all, even, yeah, not even the universe. I mean, you know, you could probably, for most people, you could probably give it 50 years, probably from their death, whereby anybody who knew them or really loved them hmm actually remembers them all that they have continue to have a significant impact for mm. most people it's probably like an average of 15 years that would be a really interesting study to do mm. find out find me. out the average age of people's uselessness after death in terms of their effect on the world out, though, it would be hard it would be hard <laughs> the data is already automatically censored by history and time <laughs> yeah. but, but this is a very current philosophy i think and it reminds me of the video of stephen fry where he talked about oh yeah how, how can how well, can i be what, happy that's what kicked this all off it did <laughs> <laughs> that's what kicked off the whole it channel it is um but I think that that talked very much about creating a sense of meaning and purpose, and it's mm. become quite, quite a doctrine of of humanism and kind of new atheism, but atheism as it is at the moment as well. Mm. Yeah. Ultimately, what I suppose we're trying to get to is the fact that unless you actually have a paradigm and a worldview which um, uh, has the concept of a life after death, 
then you can't actually have real meaning and purpose. Hmm. Because, you know, if an atheist looks at the world and all of their actions, what do they see? They see, um, you know, a black hole at the hmm. end of their life into which all of their actions disappear. And it, it and this is the key sentence for me, I think, which is that it would not have mattered whether they had lived or died. Hmm. Their existence had no effect on yeah. the grand scheme yeah. of things. But for a religious person and a person who believes and knows that there is a life after death, Every action is, in fact, imbued with meaning because in every action you do in life, it will, in actual fact, bear yeah. some form of consequence for you in the afterlife. Purpose is to do with goals, I think, as well. So I think, you know, thinking maybe my purpose is to become uh, a, a runner or something like that. That's mm. kind of like a, a real purpose and people maybe set themselves mm. their, their purpose. I think meaning is more to do with the existential question of, of what does the universe mean and, and why. Yeah. Just to unpick that a little bit, I'm just thinking, let's say there is no afterlife, but you are actually designed by God with a purpose. I mean, this mm. doesn't, it doesn't make sense in the, in the overall theistic conception. But let's mm. say God has created us for a particular purpose, but, the, but death is the end. We, we could still be able to fulfill that purpose here on earth if that is preset for us. Yeah. Because it is, it is something that is given to us by God as per his design and in that way we have a purpose so we can still fulfill that purpose even if the fulfillment of that purpose is not unending would you say that's fair um yes um but but it would it wouldn't be concordant with god's attributes because why would he do something which kind of has so such a finite i don't i don't think that you could say it has it has a purpose limited it would have a purpose kind of limited it to your life hmm. and you could say that people who choose atheistic materialistic goals for their life they do have a purpose for the duration of their life hmm. what we're getting to is that they do not have a purpose which outlasts their life and which gives them um, and fulfills the innate desire of a human being hmm. which is not to die you see death and the fear of death um, the reason it's overriding any other purpose is, yeah, because obviously you can have purpose while you're living because you can go around and do things. Hmm. But the whole idea is that once you are finished and you're in the ground, hmm. then all of your, all of that didn't matter. Hmm. It doesn't matter anymore because you don't exist. Yeah. So, so it's automatically unbelievable. So the question is, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. Yeah. So it doesn't make a difference if you say, well, if God will set you a purpose during your life, because hmm. that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a sense of purpose, which actually conquers death. Hmm. And if our purpose has been pre-designed, I guess anything else that we set for ourselves right. becomes inconsequential. It's like last time I was here, I talked about cows, but <clears throat> it's, it's kind of... Yeah, we edited know, that out. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fact that, that... the one rule for this stream, no cows, Demir. We know you really like, you know... Fine. The fact that ultimately the, the, the purpose of rearing cows is to produce the best quality... The best quality meat possible, <laughs> you know, and any other purpose that the cows set for themselves within their lifetimes, ultimately yeah. we don't care about because yeah. we're the masters of the cows, and what we care about is the quality the of meat they produce. The UK, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are vegetarians whose heads are exploding as we speak. He's <laughs> um, saying the purpose of the cows is what we set for them. Yeah, but that, but that he's been right. right? Yeah, and I guess it's the same thing. If there's an external higher being that's mm. created us then the purpose that we set for ourselves can only be of limited value because mm -hmm. the purpose that God has set for us yeah. or that higher being is, is more valuable. Which then means that atheists setting purposes for themselves is actually mm. something completely meaningless, right? Yeah. Because if you set yourself a purpose, if you just pick something out, which is dependent on your own learning, your own education, your own environment, mm. it's not really a purpose because it's not what you're here really to do. Yeah. In that case, if you have been born 
out of an accidental big bang an accidental universe and you're just the result of kind of random mutations you don't have a purpose what you're trying to give yourself is a sense of purpose yeah mm. you don't have a purpose no you're trying to give yourself a distraction yeah with Fun, the, with the yeah. appearance of a purpose with the but... appearance of purpose you know and, and people do know this okay mm. so you, you know you, the idea that we're telling anybody something they don't know is nonsense i mean this is every single person who hits the age of 40 Hmm. and then 50 and then 60 and then 70 i mean there's a reason why they love their birthdays when they're kids and then they love their birthday when they're 20 they love their birthday a little less when they're 30 they love it even less when they're 40 and as it goes through the years Hmm. when you get a bit older it actually becomes i've seen it right Hmm. it becomes a source of (laughs) sorrow not in your own life (laughs) no not mine i mean i'm I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s i'm cool man but but and also i believe in god and i have a i have a religious outlook on the world but i've seen it in people who are non-religious what are you guys laughing about (laughs) it's It's completely reasonable like like in vietnam or something you went there man you went there i've seen things (laughs) (laughs) i'm making a completely reasonable point okay and the point is this that I've seen it in people, which is that, <laughs> that as they get older, their birthdays become a time of sorrow for them mm. because it only reminds them of their own uh, diminishing mortality. mortality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and they come to realize that all the hopes and the dreams that they wished for their life, mm. in actual fact, one, usually haven't been fulfilled in the way they intended to. And even if they have been fulfilled, they didn't grant them a sense of... Um, fulfillment that yeah. they had hoped for i mean there's a great poem by by philip larkin you know the do you guys know who philip larkin is no while you find Love's that poems uh, in uh, while you find that i'm gonna i'm gonna just pick up on that for a second which is that the theistic because what we're ultimately doing is we're comparing two different worlds views mm-hmm. the atheistic and the theistic and i think the theistic from what i'm hearing is basically got two major advantages or has two fundamental differences to the atheistic worldview for this question of purpose and meaning. One, we actually have a purpose because we have been created by God in order to uh, fulfill a specific goal which is set by God. And two, the meaning that we um, exercise, that we find, and that we, uh, the purpose that we fulfill is unending. So it doesn't die with death. So we actually have, it's like, from before our lives, we are given purpose, and, uh, and after our lives, we are able to continually fulfill that purpose even after our death. Whereas the atheist has no purpose given and no meaning um, after death. Yeah, and I think this is this lack of meaning is actually the heart of um, a lot of this mental health crisis that people talk about. We don't know anything about that. <laughs> well, I'm an intensive care doctor. I really have no idea about that. But you guys are psychiatric trainees, so so yeah. I'll leave that to you. One, one in eight adults are on antidepressants in this country. Mm. Is that it? And uh, practically all my all my patients are. Well, not because they're in intensive care. Though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, and I think that symbolizes the fact we're in like the highest age of technological advancement probably mm. there's ever been. Um, you know, we can get things delivered to our doors within a few hours if, you know, from whatever we want. Mm. But yet still there's this crisis within, we can say, our souls or within within our culture, our society. Mm. Um, which is manifesting as depression anxiety at least for yeah. many people there are, there are many yeah. causes but i think i think that is that is a current which comes through isn't it a kind yeah. of existential uh, dissatisfaction yeah and an unawareness of of purpose and meaning hmm. and uh yeah what has philip larkin got to say about this so i really love this poem this is one of my favorite poems and i i haven't actually come thought about it in years so i don't know why this has suddenly popped into my head but it's about this young woman it's called love songs and age and i have to thank mr green 
my English teacher for imbuing me with a love of Philip Larkin. I've been trying to get in touch with him. I can't, he's not picking up his phone. Maybe he's so watching If now. you're watching this in Mr. Green, <laughs> I, I want to I come see how you are, okay? Right. But she, I'm not going to read the whole poem, but it's basically about a woman who comes across... Is this um, by Pinto? No, 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 it's not, no, it's not about Pinto, it's about, um, it's by uh, Philip Larkin. So, you know, it's about a woman who comes across these uh, records, right? So songs, and she, uh, from when she was young, and they're love songs from when they, she's young, pop, pop, pop songs from when she's young, and she plays them again, and... It's a really powerful. So it's, she it says, deep. When we it is. Okay. So she says she kept her songs. They kept so little space. Oh, I'm back at GCSE. Okay. She kept her songs. They kept so little space. The covers pleased her. One bleached from lying in a sunny place. One marked in circles by a vase of water. One mended when a tidy fit had seized her and colored by her daughter. So they had waited till in widowhood. She found them looking for something else. And we're going to come back to that and stood relearning how each frank submissive chord had ushered in word after sprawling hyphenated word and the unfailing sense of being young spread out like a spring-woken tree wherein that hidden freshness sung that certainty of time laid up in, laid up in store as when she played them first but even more the glare of that much-mentioned brilliance love broke out to show its bright incipience sailing above still promising to solve and satisfy and set unchangeably in order. So to pile them back to cry was hard without lamely admitting how it had not done so then and could not now. Wow, that's a really good poem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's, it speaks... What, what do you take from that? Well, but what she's done is she's, you know, he, she's come across these records, she's played them, and then as an older woman who's been through love, she's had a daughter... Okay, she's 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 enjoying partly the remembrance of um, the promise of romantic love, um, which is, I think, a major, major um, deception that society. No, what does. does your wife think? <laughs> no, it is a major deception uh, of today. She agrees with me. She taught me this, actually. So it's a major deception of the, today's culture, which is that you fall in love and you that will make you happy. Right, mm. that you will be contented and fulfilled, and so, so, so what? <laughs> really advertising my marriage, here. <laughs> but you know, this is what this is about. She's playing her records, she's playing her songs, and she's remembering the promise of love and what the promise of love was for her as a young mm. woman. And now she's realizing, with the benefit of hindsight and having gone through life's experience, yeah. that to set them back. To pile them back, to cry was hard without lamely admitting how it had not done so then, love had not done so then, mm. and could not now. It couldn't, you know, despite its bright incipient sailing above. What a wonderful phrase, right? Mm. Still promising to solve and satisfy and set unchangeably in order. So this is what people want out of romantic love, mm. you know, and that's powered a lot by, by media and by, by Hollywood. Right? Yeah. Uh, and we have we have a lot of other things that people also look to. Romance love is probably possibly probably the biggest one, but things like career and wealth and even like going for causes like climate change activism or something. I mean, you you've recently been writing about this, right? Yeah. So um, I, I was thinking about this quite a bit about happiness and contentment and fulfillment and what, yeah. what the causes were and what the solutions might be, um, and some of which we've talked about. So. I guess a major thing is is career is kind of, you know, trying to make something of yourself, trying to achieve things. Hmm. Um, and 
I've got some kind of some examples of people who have who have tried to do that, and perhaps yeah. it's not worked out as they'd they'd planned. What, can I ask what have you found in kind of your your life, your social circles, or people that you've met over the years? Kind of how have they how have you found as a young person? Um, mm. People have tried to set their life in order, and what as a young one, what have you found <laughs> in recent years? I, I think <laughs> I think, like house. I think in recent <laughs> I think in recent years. Um, Things that have come up quite a lot just modern life and culture is things like activism yeah. and, you know, being an activist for social causes. And this I found in the last like three, four, five years, maybe because of the decline of the state of the world, people are really kind of rising up and trying to do things and trying mm. to campaign for whether it be climate change or ending wars or yeah. all kinds of things like that. Um, and so I've noticed that quite a lot among my social circles among you know people who i see often work with mm. um and I, and I found on the surface it seems to be quite a good way of attaining happiness mm. people say well helping others is is a great way of doing things and mm. i guess that's true to an extent but then those people also are often quite anxious quite low in mood quite depressed sometimes mm. and it's a kind of an interesting dichotomy that they're they're doing what society expects of them and yet they're still kind of failing to reach the, the happiness that they that they want. And do you think that's kind of driving why they're not feeling great? It's because they they expected to find better happiness in this in these things. I think to an extent, and I think unfortunately, you know, with the state of the world at the moment, things seem to be declining in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think it's easy for people to have a sense of hopelessness that look, we're trying, we're you know, we're we're trying to advocate yeah. for these causes that we believe in, and yet despite that. Hmm. these things aren't working out and the people that we want aren't being elected or hmm. the the change that we want isn't being actually happening within society. And I think that can make people feel very helpless, hmm. um, a loss of control. Hmm. Um, and I think people can really struggle with it if they care about something and that, that goal isn't being delivered. So then if, let's say, I mean, let's say they, they figured out that... Let's say all the political. Let's say you have political activists and a climate justice activists, whatever it is, social justice activists. Let's say they get all of their goals fulfilled. Somehow there's some magical candidate and they're able to campaign for them and they get into place and and there's all global warming solved and you know well you can't yeah. solve that but you know let's say you're for this person they've solved all these political problems. Do you think mm. then they would be happy and fulfilled? I think they might be happier, but mm. I, I still think that. <clears throat> there would be a you know a, a gap and a gulf and I, I think i still think that it wouldn't quite lead to personal fulfillment and contentment yeah. and i think we can see that from the fact that basically every celebrity you know who you can think of if you type in in google yeah their name and then depression you'll probably find that they you know they've <laughs> suffered with mental health issues or, or something mm. of the sort mm. and i'm not saying all of those things are related to to a lack of meaning or purposeful fulfillment yeah but i think it shows that wealth and money and fame and having everything that you want within your own sphere and within your own life mm. positive relationships still can't bring people to to true fulfillment mm. um what do you yeah. think yeah i think that that's i've just it brought me my attention to mind to an article which i read as a very famous psychology study um so it's called uh, this article is about this uh, by uh, in a online paper called the cut it's called a classic psychology study on why winning the lottery won't make you happier and um, in 1978, uh, some researchers at Northwestern University and the University of Massachusetts asked basically rated happiness for two different groups of people. Mm. Recent winners of the Illinois State Lottery, whose prizes range prizes range from fifty fifty thousand dollars to a million dollars in nineteen mm -hmm. in 1978, right? 
And wow, that's so many. That's one group. And recent victims of catastrophic accidents who are now paraplegic or quadriplegic. Okay. Mm. Okay. And the very interesting thing is, so this was a year after these uh, these these events happened, and uh, the interesting thing is that they found that on average the winners' ratings of everyday happiness were three point three three out of five, and the accident victims' average answers were three point four eight. Out of five. <laughs> out of five. So uh, the la- and then it goes on to say the lottery winners did report more present happiness than the accident victims. Hmm. Four out of five compared to victims is two point nine six. But as the authors note, the paraplegic rating of present happiness is still above the midpoint of the scale. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is an extraordinary thing. And so this is known as became known as what's known as the hedonic, hedonic treadmill or the he- hedonic adaptation. They rate their happiness in the context of those things having happened. Hmm. Um, and and I think that. What that indicates is that happiness is a forward-looking metric. Mm. And so whenever you have... It's not about what's happened to you in the past. Mm. It's about where you are and where you are going, where you want to go to. Mm. And this is one of the things that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, emphasized. He said that, you know, um, do, do not look uh, at the... Uh, you know, do not look at those beneath you in, in the social dynamic of poverty... But uh, sorry, do not look at the people above you in the social dynamic. Look at those who are who are who, yeah. are, who have less than you, mm-hmm. because you know people are a major driver of unhappiness. I think is the the extravagant display of wealth in society today. Yeah, and the idea that uh, you can never have enough because there's always somebody who's got more than you, right? Mm. Some eighteen-year-old on Instagram selling a course with his Lamborghini or something. Yeah. So, so in a way, it's it's it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much success you have. There's always another person who's got more than you, and therefore you always feel inadequate to their in comparison to their success. Mm. And so, happiness is a forward-looking thing, dependent on where you are. Um, and inequality plays a big part of that. And I think for the religious person who who doesn't just see a few years doesn't just see a few decades even doesn't even look at it from the perspective of what's my pension pot going to be they're always looking at it in terms of what's the outcome going to be is god going to be pleased with me after death the mm. great thing about that perspective is that it levels out all the materialistic stuff because the guy in his hut in the middle of the sahara has just as much opportunity to do good and to win god's pleasure mm. as a person in uh, you know the metrosexual in new york <laughs> okay. So you know, it, it, it like it, it. God levels the playing field for everyone, hmm. and this is why one of the things I'll say is that you know, this is why, in actual fact, when you really logically ask the question of what could the purpose of life be, it can't be anything to do with intelligence. It can't be anything to do which is localized to time and place is and this society. On the premise that God has created us, then yeah, on the premise that God has created us, the only thing it could be related to is the choices that you make in life and how God judges you for those, because choices are equally spread between the caveman and yeah. the modern man. And the currency yeah. of prayer is also equally accessible to you wherever you are in the world. Yeah, and we- whatever time you happen to be born in. Yeah. There's quite a lot of quotes from the, the Prophet Muhammad from saying, so there was, there was one where he said um, something along the lines of if, if a man had a valley full of gold, <clears throat> he would, something like he would look at the man with two valleys or he would wish for two valleys of gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another one where, where he said that richness is not, um, is not having wealth or property, but it's contentment of the soul. Mm. And I That's think, a beautiful quote. Mm, and I think it, nowadays you can see it so much because of social media culture, the, the fact that we're really kind of it's in our nature to to seek more and to look for people above above us and try and derive our satisfaction never be truly fulfilled in ourselves because we always want something better and it's yeah. on full display through instagram through all these social media platforms yeah i mean that makes atheism particularly depressing then because if it's a forward-looking metric if you're clear-sighted yeah 
you'll know that the end is coming and is coming rapidly. Yeah. And at the same time, if you're being bombarded with all these images of people who are apparently happy through either getting money or relationships or whatever it is, then you're even more depressed. Mm. Um, so, And the purpose of life, according to in an atheistic world, must just be to acquire as much wealth as possible or to be... You or know, something the most desirable right? or, or something like that yeah something worldly something temporary something worldly. exactly 